Today on the show, we're talking about the cost of minimalism. Welcome to Simple Money Solutions Podcast, your path to financial independence through deliberate lifestyle choices. This is episode 88. My name's Courtney. I'm your host. And today I'm joined with Trevor. Hello. And Jace. How's it going? So we've had Jace on in a previous episode on for thrifting, but we're excited to have him back for another episode. So Mike, Mike is doing a little bit of traveling for the next uh, few weeks. So we're going to have Jace and Trevor here to kind of fill in and, uh, and take the show away. So today we are talking about, so we, we love minimalism. We talk about it all the time here on the show. Yeah, minimalism, I, I think, is, a, is a, a great concept, if, particularly if you're having trouble getting started on uh, making a difference in your financial life. Like if you can't move the needle in the direction you want to go, adopting a philosophy like minimalism is, is going to help sort of sort of jettison you in the right direction. I'm uh, pretty passionate about this this subject, actually, uh, the cost of minimalism, um, just because I, I find it extremely interesting, um, both the positives and the negatives that can come with being a minimalist. Um, I know Courtney and myself and you are all minimalists, but all in a, our very own different ways. And so I find it very interesting to kind of talk on this subject, especially when it comes to the financial things behind it as well well and I, you make a good point so minimalism is it's unique to everybody so my minimalism will look different than yours and and then courtney's but i think that you the the concepts of minimalism are pretty universal in that you know they talk about you know be intentional and and um if it don't only keep things that add value to your life those things are, are constant regardless of what your minimalism looks like there there is a a cost to minimalism. I, I find that side of it interesting as well. I almost find minimalism as a kind of, and when you equate it to kind of the deal breaker, it's almost like the, when and if you're kind of working maybe towards a weight loss or, or muscle mass building uh, goal, this is, this is kind of, and there are certain tipping points when you're in that journey. This is kind of like the, the same kind of tipping point when you're looking at personal finance. What do you, I'm not sure what you, where you're going with that. What, like this could be the make it or break it that could, like you said, allow you to achieve financial independence. Oh yeah, if you can get on the minimal, minimalism train, uh, it, it could take you to the right place. Oh yeah, you're set. But I, I, I'd like to. I want to go back to kind of what this episode is about and what you said earlier, you know, Trevor. Because we, I just want to say one thing to that point. You, know, you just in, tweaked something in my mind that a lot of times, if you, if you're in a bad place financially, it's going to take a life-changing behavioral adoption to move you out of that place. You can't just sort of wander into it. If you've, if you've wandered into a bad place financially, you can't just wander out of it. You know, you have to adopt a philosophy, a lifestyle mentality to get there. So I like what you were saying there, and I don't know if that's where you're going with it, but I think it's a point worth making. I'm going to have to disagree a little bit, actually, um, just because... I actually became a minimalist by accident. Um, it wasn't really on purpose. I was in a bad place financially when I was uh, a lot younger and I was living on my own and I had a ton of stuff. And so what I did one day is I was just like, you know what? I don't need all this stuff. A lot of it was old toys and like Legos and just a bunch of stuff that I'd carried with me from apartment to apartment. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to start selling it. And so after I sold the first box and made almost $100 off Legos, I was hooked on getting rid of my stuff. Um, and so then I just kept selling everything that I owned until I got to the point where I just kind of had what I needed. 
And even even like last week, I went around and I got rid of a bunch more stuff just because it makes me feel good now at this point to to do it. So like it was not intentional for me at all. It just happened to be something that I fell into. But what, so it, but what was the trigger? What what started you on that journey? What started you to, to get rid of that first thing? I needed to pay rent. <laughs> that was that was basically it. I, I just my paycheck wasn't uh, very much because I was sick for a week, and so I just needed to pay rent. So I started selling stuff. So it wasn't about getting rid of things or anything like that. It was just it, it was to meet a financial need that you got rid of something, and then that sort of got the ball rolling. Exactly. So some people who could be in the same situation that I am, where they just they have a lot of stuff, but they also are really hurting financially. It could be a good way for them to start, you know, making some of that money back. You know, Kijiji used Ottawa, um, whatever, and and start selling it and making that money back. That could also help them reach financial independence. So would it be safer to say that maybe you became resourceful and it led into a minimalist mindset? Definitely, yeah, definitely. Okay, okay, yeah. So, so your your resourcefulness helped solve your problem, and then uh, you, you you liked what you saw, so you you started moving in that direction. So that is kind of I agree with you. That's kind of like wandering into minimalism because uh, it yeah, wasn't no, your intention. Definitely. So yeah, so it can happen. So that's an interesting story. Um, so to t- to kind of focus in on today's kind of cost of minimalism approach. So, I mean. Trevor, Jason, I'm sure you guys hear endless stories and the documentaries. I mean, we are fans of minimalists, like no question about it, but I'm sure we hear, we only hear positive about minimalism, how great it is, how freeing, how liberating, but I don't think we talk about kind of the cost of minimalism and, and, and all the maybe negatives that come along with it that I think we need to address because that's a lot of people's maybe fears of getting into minimalism. It's all the costs. Well, it's the, there's a cost, like, so is there a cost to getting rid of stuff? No, but there's, I mean, I, I've, so I've read the article you've, 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 you're, you're going to feature on this episode and I never really thought of those costs as associated with minimalism. I, I almost associate those costs with, you know, bad decisions or mistakes. So to tie them back to minimalism, I, I, it might be a stretch. I actually haven't read the article, um, but I do have a few costs uh, that just I've thought of um, that I find like a lot of people do mention to me when I when I mention that I'm a minimalist. Um, and I, and th- and that's what I think that why this episode is so important because people with with any kind of type of even lifestyle or or like eating pattern or preference, there's a lot of people who maybe have doubts or or fears of getting into that because of the potential downsides that they are afraid of. Uh, minimalism can bring a lot of financial benefits, but I don't think that should be your going in plan, that this is going to make me rich or this is going to save me a ton of money. I, I don't think... It's like it's like going on a diet to lose weight. I mean, you have to want to adopt a healthy lifestyle to be successful. So I, I think going into minimalism, hoping you're going to come out the other end with, with pockets full of money is probably the wrong reason to, to adopt that that lifestyle. No, but I think I think individuals and maybe we'll just jump into the article um, about kind of some some key reasons why pe- why uh, the cost that people are afraid of that will come along with minimalism. And I, I know this article resonates with me because I with minimalism, you're obviously getting rid of things. And my thing is always and I'm sure a lot of other people, what if I need that thing again? What what if there's a time when I need it, but I already got rid of it? Well, before you get into the article, Jace was going to sort of lead us down, uh, you know, his sort of interpretation of cost of minimalism. I think he was going to anyway. 
Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Um, I had I had a few points that I think a lot of people have made to me over over the years of me just mentioning that I'm minimalist, and uh, a few of them are like their their main fears is well, what if I I see something and I want it, I can't buy it because I'm a minimalist, or what about my hobbies? You know, things like that that they think they're they're neglecting themselves be- to become a minimalist. You're neglecting enjoying yourself and i think that's that's one of the biggest things that that people attribute to it to a negative for minimalism is that uh they have to not do things that they enjoy because they're a minimalist and you don't agree with that though right it's it's like to me no 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 that's not minimalism at all it's no i think it's the opposite i think like and and now like that's kind of why i wanted to mention it because a lot of people have that that mentality that they're not allowed to buy stuff but uh, in the end, what it actually does is it it limits you to things that you really enjoy. And so you do end up with stuff still, but it's stuff that you're passionate about, stuff that you care about, stuff that you want to keep with you for a really long time because you really get value from it. And I think what it actually does as well is instead of focusing on the things and the material things that are inside your home, you're focused more on experiences and adventures outside of the home and so you do get a little bit more from life in in my perspective anyways from becoming a minimalist and i and i agree with everything you said i think it also you know when you just touched on hobbies a little bit it requires laser focus you know you you can't be interested in a whole bunch of things you need to be minimalism needs to be in your interests as well you i think you need to have minimal interests and go like you know, 10 feet deep instead of 10 feet wide on things. Well, definitely, definitely. And and that kind of goes back to where I accidentally stumbled into minimalism. I had tons of hobbies and I didn't really know exactly who I was and, and like exactly what I love to do. But as I slowly got rid of things, I really had to focus on, on what really brought me value, like what hobbies I really did enjoy. And then from there, I kind of found out a little bit more about myself too in the process, knowing that, you know what, I really love plaid. Like, I don't want to get rid of any of my plaids, but I'll get rid of any of my other shirts without like hesitation. Or, you know, I, I held on to quite a few books because I, you know, I guess I really do like to read. And so throughout the process, getting rid of things that, that didn't matter to me and keeping the things that did, I really did learn a lot more about myself. And so I don't, think that there is a lot of costs negatively to minimalism the only costs that you have are not getting into minimalism because you're not going to learn more about yourself and i like that that spin because when you when you go when you're sort of introducing minimalism into your life and you're going in that direction you're forced to make a lot of decisions right and that's kind of what you were talking about and in, in making those decisions you you have to you know the questions come up you have to answer them so Every time you ask yourself a question, you're going to learn a little bit more about yourself. So I like that spin. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of deep reflection that goes on because, or even accidental. I mean, JC, keeping your plaids and your books was probably accidentally. You didn't consciously think, oh, I'm not going to get rid of these two items. You just never wanted to. No, they for, both me, added value. Was, for me, it was basically like, okay, like how much can I pack into boxes when I'm moving and how much do I want to bring with me? <laughs> so it just kind of... With your plaid shirts, when you're forced to decide between shirts, 
you might have just you didn't you might not have even realized how much you like plaid shirts but faced with deciding what shirts to keep and what shirts to get rid of then all of a sudden you you actually say you know i never realized this but i really like plaid shirts you know you may never have spoke those words in your mind and until and he he really really likes plaid shirts. <laughs> as it turns out he does but you know everyone around you might have known that you love plaid shirts but you might not have known you like plaid no, shirts. that's exactly it yeah that's exactly what happened it was like packing my boxes one day and i was like i don't want to get rid of these i really don't i want to keep these all of them and so but all your closest friends if you would have said to them hey you guys you know, you know i just realized i love plaid shirts they might have said yeah i've known that for like uh, <laughs> the last five years but you might yeah. have just realized how important they are to you exactly it's really good for self-reflection i find i agree yes actually when, so, so when, I, you're, when, I, you're de- when you're deciding between uh hobbies and interests I think you end up asking yourself that question, you know, how much do I really enjoy? Do I just enjoy all the equipment associated with this hobby, almost like a collector of equipment? Or do I actually enjoy the activity itself? And I, I, I think a lot of times if you're going into minimalism and you're looking at your interests, like just say you, you're, you, you're photography, just say you think you like photography, but it turns out you just like cameras. Do you know what I mean? And I <laughs> yeah. think there's a lot of people. I, so I, I talk to a lot of people that I work with. Some people are into photography. And when I talk to them about photography, all they talk about is their camera, the lenses, the, you know, and the shutter speeds. And it goes on and on and on. They rarely talk about the things they photographed. And I know those yeah. people are, they're not, they don't love photography. They just love cameras. And I, I don't know if there's anything wrong with that. Just know, like, like you said, this reflection just know that that's your hobby. Your hobby is cameras, not photography. Maybe you should start a YouTube channel about cameras instead of pretending you like photography. And I, I think I want, that's what I, like, I think it's important to highlight during this episode. Like when, when we say cost, it's not just, it's not just the, the monetary cost of things. It's also the emotional cost, the psychological cost, the, of, of, of trying, even like with Jace's hobbies, with the kind of the emotional being able to only emotion, emotionally invest himself into certain certain areas of interest, that's definitely kind of the cost of minimalism. You have to be focused, laser focused. And cost can be, like cost is usually, ne- can be associated both negatively and connoti- and positively. But I think in this sense, it's just this neutral word where you just have to make decisions. But you know, even if, even if it doesn't change your cost structure, just go back to the photography thing. If you kept buying cameras thinking you loved photography in your mind you would say photography is really expensive but it doesn't have to be you could take photography with your your iphone got that reference in (laughs) but there's actually uh, there's actually another apple reference in one of the articles we're going to be talking about today so i was saving that for later but if you don't know i I do pretty good photography with my samsung (laughs) galaxy s7 (laughs) but if you if you if you told yourself my hobby is cameras, then maybe you wouldn't be so sh- you know blown away by how expensive cameras are as a hobby, right? Because cameras are expensive. So it's I, I think just knowing that inner reflection and knowing what your your true interest is, it will even if it doesn't change the cost structure, at least it makes sense. Then you know photography is not expensive. Cameras are. So I want to kind of move through this article here. It's, so it's um it's by Emily Guy Bergen. It is from moneyning.com and it is called Have You Ever Considered the True Cost of Minimalism? So 
the first point here is, and this this resonates so deep with me, and I'm sure and maybe it does for both you two as well, but getting rid of something you may need. So the example in this article is that um, Emily cleaned out her desk drawer one day. She threw out this uh, silver paint pen, so it kind of sounded like a Sharpie jumbo size paint pen. And a week later, her husband asked her if she, if she had a silver paint pen. So it's a completely random object that she had in her desk. She didn't even know that she had it there, but she threw it out and her husband ended up needing it later. So again, so this is kind of the worst case scenario coming true. That sounds like she probably should have talked to her husband before throwing <laughs> out his silver paint <laughs> pen that she didn't know was in there. <laughs> I, I think that that's a good point. When you're minimalizing, you should never minimalize other people's things because that just will lead to a bad place. But I think that if you were keeping a score sheet on the number of things you got rid of that it turns out you needed, and unfortunately, you'll never know the number of things you got rid of that you never did need, that you can't actually keep score on that. I would say for most people, it's like 100 to 1 or 1,000 to 1. I don't know. Is there? Can you guys think of a time that you got rid of something that you wish you hadn't or you realized you would have needed? I got rid of a pair of dress shoes that... It turns out I... Uh, Did you need them for your, your suit? <laughs> no, actually. Yeah. <laughs> no, but they were, I, I, they were sort of... Uh, okay, they were kind of a shoe that was crossed between a, a casual shoe and a dress shoe. And I'm not some fashion person, but it, it, they, they They're kind called of, Oxfords. Yeah, they, they kind of worked, right? It, for, for certain clothing. And I remember I was going through this minimalism phase, uh, this the junking out phase, and I got rid of them saying, I haven't worn those in forever. And I remember looking for them, and I, then... After about an hour of looking, I re- my wife reminded me that I threw them out. And uh, so, so that's happened. But, you know, having a home and, and having a workshop with tools, I can't count the times where I've kept things like, you know, screws or nails or uh, different supplies. And I'll I'll be doing a repair and, I, and I'll think, okay, I know I have this and I can't find it because I've saved so many of these little things that I, I can't find it. And then I end up going and buying it. And then maybe a month later, I do find that thing. So... That's an example of that. That's the best example of come where where I've kept something, and 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 it turned out I needed it, but I couldn't find it. So I, I'd rather roll the dice on getting rid of something and, and having to rebuy it. And and that's just it too. Like in all honesty, most of these things you can just purchase again, and they don't cost a lot. They're under ten dollars. It's not something that you're gonna heavily invest in. It it. it comes back to it depends on what you're minimalizing if you're minimalizing your apple laptop then maybe think that one through but if you're looking at getting rid of a a pen or a marker or or something that's under 10 bucks honestly you can probably just get it again if you really needed it you might have to be you might become more resourceful if you just say you got rid of something that it turns out you needed you might develop a resourcefulness to, to to figure out how to get it done without that thing, right? So there's there's a there's a positive spin on this you you could you could see as well. I think there's a um, a lot of minimalist communities too that like uh, will kind of build a friend group and they'll borrow things and pass it between people. So instead of buying something like uh, if my buddy has uh, a drill and I needed to borrow a drill. Um, I could just borrow a, a drill and the drill bit and some screws instead of having to actually go out and buy those, you know, and then next time when he needs something, I would give him something for him to use on loan. And so it kind of 
almost creates a, a little bit more of a community where you're passing items between each other instead of having to go purchase things. I know I, I like that spin in in your generation is so my generation ownership was what we sought out. You know, we wanted to 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 have things and own them and, and know that they're always going to be there. The best example I can think of, and a lot of people can relate to this, is yeah, you, if you ever been into somebody's house and you see a just bookshelf full of DVDs, you know, just like literally like a, yeah. okay, yeah, and then you think of Netflix. So one person ha- if they want to own all these DVDs that you know, you once you watch a movie, you maybe you might maybe you watch it two three times tops, but your generation you're seeking access. So if you think of uh, Apple Music is another one where you just have access to the music. You don't actually own it, right? You don't have all these DVD uh, CDs on your your uh, your your bookshelf, or you you don't have an iPod full of music, right? That you own. You just have you pay a, a subscription fee and you have access to things. So to to your point with the tools, it, you you don't want ownership. You just want access to this stuff when you need it. And I think that's that's great for the environment. And and I think it it, it just it, it makes a lot of sense. My son is into backpacking and wilderness, you know, backcountry camping and canoeing, and he's assembled some pretty high-end equipment, and he's he's made it available to the to his whole family that you know I only use this stuff, you know, two or three times a year. So what a waste! It's just sitting here. So he's offered it up to the whole family to use it whenever we want to go. So it's kind of like I have access to this real high-end equipment. That, that I can use when I need, but I, only one person has to own it. I think that's like a pretty amazing philosophy that that is coming more so into effect these days. And uh, I'm I'm really happy to say that it's it's kind of like our generation that's, oh, it absolutely that's kind is. of inspiring it. And instead of having to own things, we're getting a lot more people wanting to to backpack, and we're we're getting people wanting to travel and to not own much and. I really appreciate that myself and it's kind of something that I fell into but it's something that I fell in love with. And I really I think it's more liberating. It's kind of the opposite of of limiting when you when you have access to all this music. I mean Apple Apple music has all the music. I just realized that you ever dream of I just realized that was another Apple reference. <laughs> oh wow. What are we at two here? Completely uh, three. I have reference the Apple uh, laptop too. Oh, true. Yeah. yeah, I feel like our listeners that are one got a, a tally I didn't realize I did tally. that one, but anyway. Wow, that was like a that was, that was a real like slip there. But no, but we have access to so much, and I feel like it's almost more liberating to have access as opposed to ownership because you can't possibly own everything. But the well, no, the no, no. amount of things you can access the to the baby boomer generation they were determined to own everything. That was a generation of ownership. That I mean that that was paramount then. They want. You know that was a generation of ownership, so that they that was their goal. So we're kind of we're kind of bringing around a kind of a revolution then. So if if you want to think of it, so your generation is going to leave this this legacy of of access. I, I think that's like Jace was saying. I think that's awesome. I think that is something to to reflect on and and to just you know maybe think of where's that going to go. You know how, how far can we take that? Will there just be nobody own cars? You'll just have access to them. You know what I mean? Like I I don't know at what level that could rise to, but. I, I don't see it going away anytime soon. No, I, I think it's going to take off a lot more. Well, and as your generation has more, uh, you, you know, the employment world is offering your generation more transient type of, of employment as opposed to my generation, the one before me that had these, uh, you know, full-time jobs for 30 years. Your generation ownership will, will almost be a burden to, your, to, to the flexible lifestyle that, that your generation is wanting to live. 
Oh, definitely. I definitely see that happening. Um, so I, I do want to move on to number two here. So, bef- but before I do, I want to, I, for listeners, if I want to know if you've ever gotten rid of anything that either you, you, you wish you hadn't and, and maybe you came up with an alternative or, or some, a time that it was actually, you got rid of something, maybe it was a risky dicey move, but you never actually needed any kind of story. I'd, I'd love to kind of be able to share those here um, and, and about your experiences. You know, one of the things that makes, you know, this this less of a of a, a risk getting rid of something is, you know, we did a show on thrifting, and if you can, if I, I sometimes I go into a thrift store just to see what's available, so I I can say you know if I ever need that I you know I've seen that here you know five or six times so I, I could come and get it. Also, you know, stores like Dollarama, I mean I, now not everything there's a dollar, but everything I, I think everything there's under five bucks. So it, th- those stores didn't exist say like in in my coming of age time so uh, you know a, a can opener that i can get for a dollar 25 that was like a you know uh, you know almost a 10 dollar purchase way back when right so it's get, getting rid of things there's a lot less risk associated with it because the replacement of this made in china stuff is is getting cheaper and cheaper all the time so uh, let's move on to number two in this list here. So number two for the cost of minimalism is aesthetic concerns. And Emily kind of lays out here that the true true minimalism takes aesthetics into consideration the way frugality does not. And she says here that, for instance, minimalists famously love both Apple products and moleskin journals because both offer beauty as well as function. So I, I kind of... <laughs> Apple... <laughs> that's for you trevor so i i do like i do like how she makes the kind of the distinction between um and i think we could do a whole episode on it actually the distinction between frugality and minimalism because i feel like they do become very intertwined something that that has a minimalist look to it doesn't make it a minimalist philosophy so like apple tries to make their their products look very um yeah yeah and very uh you know single colored they're not flashy looking that's just the image to try to portray. I, I think if that's your, if you're going after that, I, I think you're, you, you've, you've kind of been misled. But it's the same. I think that's kind of the, the idea though that um, these documentaries and and TV has kind of put onto minimalism though is that is the look that you have to have to be a minimalist. And I'd like to disagree pretty heavily with that. Like I'm. I'm pretty into like rustic things myself and I obviously don't own any Apple products and I have like plaids and all my furniture is nice old wood. So just because that is the aesthetic that minimalism has behind it doesn't mean that's what you have to achieve to be a minimalist. And, and I agree. I, I think if that is the appeal, if that's what's drawing you toward minimalism, you're going down the wrong road. I mean, you're just going to end up with more stuff that's that's not flashy, right? You're not gonna you're, you're not gonna really achieve get the the true benefits of minimalism. If if aesthetics is is your go to or or the thing that that's drawing you in, if the you know if just the idea of less is got to be the draw. I do have a question for both of you guys though um, about kind of the aesthetic concerns. So if you're supposed to have things in your life as a minimalist that add value and and bring you happiness, if and one of the examples within um, Emily's article here is if kind of having a matching dinnerware set. I mean, maybe that doesn't really resonate with everyone, but if having something. And so instead of having this very kind of a match set, just minimal utensils, minimal plate, she kind of has a mismatched hodgepodge of 
kind of everything put together in still a very minimal fashion, a few of each. But so to you guys, do you think, and I think that's what the kind of the difference, the distinction where frugality and minimalism is kind of, is that minimalism is kind of just having less, but is it having less of like, and you just kind of invest in something that you love and then you're good there. Or how do you guys kind of define that? So I think that's the perfect example of distinguishing frugality from minimalism is if, if you look in someone's cutlery drawer and you can't find uh, two forks that match, I think you're, that's a very frugal person. You're probably, you know, you're, you're dealing with and minimalism is if you look in the drawer and there's just four forks, that's minimalism. I think but that's, that's if, a great way to define the both. Yeah. But, but what if Actually, in the, the so frugal you, person might have, you know, 40 forks and none of them match, right? Cause they, they were able to get those forks for next to nothing. And the the minimalist, they might, you know, like I say, have four forks, but they might have paid fifty bucks for those four forks. So, so when we're talking about the cost of minimalism specifically, though, would would you say? I mean, if we have an individual wanting to kind of put together this like perfect kind of just minimalistic kitchen, do you, would you say yes, or encourage someone to go out and and purchase kind of that perfect matching set of kitchenware that they're going to keep forever and just be very content with? Well, it depends of the person, right? It depends on everybody individually. If if you're a person who really cares about your kitchen, then sure, yeah, go and, and get that, that beautiful silver-plated fork for $20, $30, if, if that's what really matters to you, if that's your collection, if that's what you love, if you're in the kitchen cooking three times a day, then by all means, go and get that, right? But if you're the type of person who throws together a meal really quickly and doesn't really care to cook and doesn't want to be in the kitchen, then probably not. Just get, you know, a dollar, two dollar forks, just have a couple of them and then that's all you need, right? So it really depends on the person. If it if it, it's where your values lie, right? So if if that's it's a I agree with that. So if 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 that's your the thing you value is, you know, kitchen utensils, then you should probably should have a really nice matching set. But because this is about money, uh, you have to saw it off somewhere. You can't want the perfect matching set of everything. You know, you you have to really be deliberate and and decide what is truly important to me. Because if you try to to do get that uh, fork or cutlery set that Jace is describing, you'll you know if you apply that to everything you own, you you will you'll be poor. Or you can thrift it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that but that's the frugal approach where you you might not have any forks that match right so it's yeah i I think like uh, it honestly should kind of merge like minimalism and frugality should merge i think i think they can they can but they don't have to yeah no i i I think that it would be beneficial though for for anyone who is wanting to achieve minimalism to also try and go for frugality because you know if if you're a minimalist for the sake of having all the nice really pretty shiny things and you want just a few things that are, are really beautiful, you're also going to spend a lot of money. So, uh, you know, it, clothes is a good example. So you can have a closet full of cheap, low-end clothes, or you can have just a few select items of very high-quality clothing. So I, I don't know what where you guys fit on that spectrum. I tend to have very few clo- articles of clothes, but very high-quality ones. So I, I think... If you had to go one way or the other, I, I would, and they're not mutually exclusive, but if, if you had to, I would tend to, me personally would lean toward the 
minimalist high quality yeah i i would too i just uh, i have a very frugal approach with it so like i i do have very few items that are really high quality um but I've been lucky enough to find those at, at thrift stores and I've been lucky enough to thrift all of them. And, you know, I, I have a tendency to go out once a week to with a little list in my mind and be like, OK, you know, if I see that and if it's good material and if it's properly stitched and there's no rips and there's no seam breakage and it looks really good, then I'll, I'll grab it. I'll purchase it. Um, but I'll only get it if it's a high quality thrifted item that I'm also not spending a lot of money on. So to be frugal or thrifty, it requires effort. And to be a minimalist, it also requires effort and thoughtfulness. To be both, it's required that extra effort, right? Like you. Yes, definitely. So yeah. it has to be, it, it can't seem like work to you. Otherwise, it'll be somewhat unattainable. It has to be. So it sounds like you you thoroughly enjoy. And we had a thrifting show you were on and you you yeah. you without question <laughs> love thrifting. And you're passionate about minimalism, so this is not like it's effort for you. It's just something you do. But for somebody getting into this world, would you, I'm asking this question, would you caution them to not adopt both philosophies at the same time? Maybe, you know, start with minimalism and then try to do it in a very thrifty manner later on. Yeah, and then that's that's actually kind of the, the way it happened for me. Because you might well get discouraged, as... right? You might get discouraged. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Like, cause you're not going to find everything all at once. Like I, I've been a minimalist now for, I want to say four or five years by accident and probably two years on purpose. Like, so for, for me, it was a matter of just getting rid of things first and, and trailing down to, to what actually mattered to you. And then from there was kind of getting better quality things now that I knew what mattered to me. So now in hindsight, would you say you should... Uh, if you had to do it over again, would you prefer to have gone at this deliberately from the start? Or do you think that, that you wandering into this worked out for the best? I think it was the most natural progression and it definitely worked out for the best for me. Um, and I think that a lot of people kind of just have to naturally let it happen. You can't force change. Um, if you force none it, of, maybe, none of it, maybe you go in the wrong direction or you, 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 you get discouraged if you try to force it. Is, is that sort of... Exactly. Yeah. You, you have to be passionate about it and you have to want to enjoy it. You have to do it for you. And if you're doing it for someone else or if you're doing it just to save money, it's probably not going to stick, to be honest. If, if you're, you're doing it right out the bat and you're, you're looking for achieving you know that goal of of more financial freedom from doing it um unless you change your habits you're spending habits and you don't go back it a lot of people will just end up buying stuff again actually you know you've just sort of opened my mind I, so at the beginning i kind of disagreed with that because i said you had to be intentional but now that you, just listening to you say that i would have to agree with you because here's my a story i have is Whenever I sort of watch the, that movie by The Minimalist on Netflix, I'll watch it, you know, I might watch it every six months. And after I watch it, I'll, I'll go into some closet and just go crazy getting rid of stuff, right? <laughs> and, and that, you know, and I'll go in a spurt like for a week of just getting rid of stuff. And then, like you say, it, I kind of get, you know, like lose steam and it kind of fades away. But the, the true impact of minimalism is your acquisition of things. And... If you can turn the tap off of buying, you know, just rampant consumption, that is where you really move the needle on minimalism. And, and, Definitely. and you, you kind of just, you, you, 
you highlighted that for me. So I, I went into this thinking one thing, and I now believe that, you know, if you slowly change your consumption, and that's, you know, you become a minimalist slowly, you almost wander into minimalism by, by slowly consuming less, that it actually has staying power. So I would agree with you now. It's, it's like we always say, it's not about the the income side of the equation. It's about kind of our expense side. So it's kind of the same way. It's not about how much you get rid of it, it's about how much you kind of bring into your life. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. So to the last, I just want to keep through, moving through uh, the rest of the last piece of this article. The last piece is, um, so the cost of minimalism is time costs. And I, this is one I don't think that kind of easily crosses our mind when we think of costs of minimalism. Well, uh, and I've always said just, you know, saving money is never convenient, right? It requires effort. And so I think being a minimalist, if you hope to get some financial benefits from it, it's going to require time. But to Jace's point, you have to enjoy it. It can't be, it can't, if it, if it, if it's hard and it's effort, you're probably going at it the wrong way. You know, you, you've chosen to minimalize the wrong aspect of your life. If, if you find it exhausting or time consuming, you know, those are very negative descriptions of, of minimalism, but they're, they're actually a fact of minimalism. But if you enjoy thrifting as an example, then, then it's not effort. It's not time consuming. It's actually, it's exciting and it's fun. So if it's time consuming or if it, you know, this number three says time costs, kind of a negative term, you're probably minimalizing the wrong aspect of your life. I kind of want to make a point to, to the, the time cost there. I'm not sure exactly what she says about the, the time cost, but uh, when you when you do look at minimalism um, and you look at our time, what what our time is worth? So let let's say you work a minimum wage job, um, so you're making fifteen dollars an hour and or fourteen or, or or whatever minimum wage is now. I think um, let's say you're making minimum wage and you go out and you spend you know thirty forty bucks on on an object and you do that very frequently and you're curing all these objects, you're actually spending your time, right? You're spending time that, that you've put into at work. You're spending those portions of your life, those hours that you're never going to get back. Um, and when you look at minimalism, yes, you're going to have to put some effort into originally getting rid of stuff and downsizing and figuring out who you are from it. But down the road, that time that you would have randomly gone and spent on an object that you're going to throw out one day or that you're not even going to open out of the box, you're, you're saving that time and that you can use that to, to go on a vacation or you can use that to spend time with your family and go to a cabin. You can use that in more beneficial and like exciting and worthwhile ways than just spending it on random little objects. So it's interesting to hear somebody your age reference time as, as, a, as, a, as a commodity or something that, that you're spending. Generally, when, you're, uh, when, when I was younger, I, I thought I had all the time in the world. But the, at my age now, I, 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 I view time as the most precious commodity out there. So it's interesting to see that, that somebody of a younger generation is seeing time as this precious thing that should not be wasted. So I, and the reality is, is you're not gonna, you're not gonna get that time back now. Like, it's not like you're gonna, you know, I didn't go to the movies, therefore I'm not gonna go to work on Monday. 
are you saying you're going to save this time at the end of your working career? Is that are you looking that far ahead? Yeah, like you could you can either set it aside, you can put it into savings, you can put it aside for a trip, you can put it aside for maybe that object that does really matter to you that maybe is more expensive like your Apple laptop that you really want, you know? You can set that aside for for something that really matters and especially too if you're looking at it from the financial side, if you if you want to save money, stop buying things right but your reference to time when you say you're going to get the you're exchanging your your time for money to go buy things that maybe you don't need or you don't really need when you're saying you're going to get that that time back by not buying that thing are you referring to you know retiring early and that time in your life or yeah possibly yeah. definitely yeah like if, if you're if you're doing it right if you're setting it aside and and you're saving saving that money somehow or um even like a lot of a lot of people on minimum wage, they, they can't afford to take a vacation. So they get their two weeks paid out, but they can't go anywhere. Um, and so they have to stay home and they, they don't get to do anything and they don't get to enjoy themselves, really. Um, but they get their two weeks off. Like I have a few friends who who never travel and they never get that life experience, but they really want to. But then they have a tendency to spend their money on on a lot of little things that don't really matter in the long term. And so if they had stopped spending their money on those things and put that money in savings, then they could have had that life experience that they really wanted, or they could save up for an early retirement, or they could invest into a cabin or something like that for their family to go to every, every season. So there's a couple things in there. So your you're one thing you're saying is, it's almost like you're suggesting you should spend money on experiences rather than things, which I agree with. And then the other one is, um, you know, just don't spend money and save it. So there, there's kind of a uh, the the time cost in in both of those aspects. Exactly. Yeah. So you long term will not regret not spending money on things. You will either way put the money in savings, and then if something does come up, and let's say you wanted to go on a vacation, or you had something that you really needed to spend that money on, or wanted to spend that money on, then it's there. And that's that's what a lot of people don't have these days especially my generation a lot of us don't have savings and it's very rare to find someone our age who has savings so on a on a big scale a little story of mine is when i was moving to the to into the house i'm in now which i've been in for 20 years coincidentally this house was for sale and the one next door was for sale so these two houses were for sale at the exact same time and one was uh, we're going back 20 years ago, but one was about $60,000, actually maybe $70,000 more than the other. It's quite a bit larger. And I was approved to to get a mortgage. I could have afforded the, the larger house had I chose it. And my 50-year-old my fifty year old's, fifty year old self thanks my 30-year-old self uh, almost once a week for not buying that house. I have this luxury of I, I, every time I drive down my street, I see the house I didn't buy and I see the house I did buy. And I know I'd still be paying for that house that I didn't buy today. So I, I thank myself, my 30-year-old self, almost once a week. Well, that's a really good, really good example, prime example, because it's it stares you right in the face every single and, day. And I'm, I am now an empty nester. So I, the house I'm in right now is, is way more house than I need. So if I was in that house, the one next door... I, I don't, I would have, you know, even more house, but I'd still be paying for it. So it's, I think, I like the way Jace is thinking, but when you, 
as you get older and you reflect back on maybe your mistakes, a lot of people do, maybe also reflect back on, on the things you did right, you know, some of the, the, the good decisions you made and, and, and take some peace in that. I think the, on top of all kind of the, the, the angle we've talked about in the time cost that way, I think of the other kind of flip side to the time cost can be the cost, the time that it costs to go maybe purchase the things that you threw at that you actually think you'll need or, or go pick up or go, go get kind of that other flip side. Do you know what? I think you, uh, I think Jace mentioned this. You, you end up becoming resourceful. You know, I don't think the true minimalist actually goes up and buys that thing they threw out. They just figure out how to get it done without it. Yeah, exactly. Like I know four or five people I could ask right now for uh, a silver paint pen <laughs> without having to go buy one. But even if you you didn't know somebody, you a true minimalist, you know, if you really adopted the philosophy, you would you wouldn't just run out and buy it because that kind of defeats the whole purpose. Of it. You, like I say, turning that tap off and not acquiring things, I think you would figure a way out. Like you might, you're so to your point, you might find access to these things rather than ownership. You know, that's, that's being resourceful, right? Like you said, you'd find something you could borrow a drill from rather than yeah, go buy exactly. one. So I, I think, and a lot of times people are doing things that, you know, they've told themselves, I need to do this now. And, and I, I have to go buy this thing so I can do it now. But you know, if you waited a week, you could borrow whatever from somebody else and do it a week from now. Like the, I think urgency is another thing we, we kind of convince ourselves that this needs to be done now or this is urgent and maybe it's not right it's just can you know it'd be convenient if i could do this now but i don't have all the tools i need if i wait a week i could borrow these tools from somebody else and and do it next weekend yeah definitely i'd have to agree with that completely so that brings us to the end of this article and uh maybe the end of this episode do you do either of you have anything else you'd like to add or, or bring into uh this episode the cost of minimalism i'd just like to tie in that all of these these costs, whether they seem negative or positive, really depends on your personal journey. And I'd like to say that no matter what situation you're in, minimalism isn't going to be exactly how we described or exactly how someone else describes or exactly what the minimalists on Netflix do. It, it is a personal growth and it will always have to be something that you do a lot of introspective research on and you have to really really feel passionate about it and you have to really understand that this is something that you want to do and if that is something that you want to do down the road it will really bring you financial freedom i find myself all the time looking at things that i would have bought in a heartbeat back when i wasn't a minimalist that now i think twice about and so it is saving me a lot of money and it could do the same for you guys wow well said was that was that a mic drop moment? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I think we should leave it right there. And on that note, thank you so much for being with us this week as we talk about the cost of minimalism. Make sure to send us an email at livelifesimple365 at gmail.com or hit us up on our contact with our contact submission form at livelifesimple.ca. We want to hear about your kind of cost of minimalist stories as well. And uh, we'll definitely be sure to share this on our upcoming listener episode. Trevor and I haven't done one in a while, so we'll be sure to do one soon. Um, Thanks again for being with us. And we will catch you right here next week with another episode. Until then, keep it simple.